When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan, joined on the phone by Dave Watson. Hello, Paul. And joined also on the phone by the man who puts the reel into Montreal, Fergus Craig. About time someone said it. Hello. Finally. How are you doing? <laughs> really good. Good. We've all been away yeah. a while, but we're back. And we're we're stronger yeah. than ever. That's the weird thing. We've all bulked yeah. up. I like that we use yeah. this podcast just as an excuse for the three of us to have a chat. Yeah, we don't speak unless it's on this. <laughs> it's true. Go ahead, Hello. Paul. <laughs> I thought you were going to elaborate on how you were. But no, that's sure, fine. Yeah, Let's... I will. It's it's really no no. It's just really difficult isn't it a conference call <laughs> yeah. this is basically yeah. <laughs> it's a conference call where none of us can see each other and we're in different time zones it's it's like we're arranging uh, a shipment of widgets for our <laughs> for for our uh, company um yeah it's it's going all right uh my girlfriend ordered some legal marijuana the other day in Canada. Good God. Oh, don't touch the stuff. Duh. I've Fine. never liked I've never liked weed. I don't What when you say you don't touch the stuff, Dave, do you mean legal marijuana? That's the stuff in the vial. Dave's already admitted to his illegal marijuana use on this pod recently. Really? Yeah. No, I've n- I I've never a terrible experience, mate. Oh right, okay. I think I missed that one. Yeah. I've never really got weed it doesn't i just i find it really difficult to inhale but um <laughs> like genuinely fair enough but one but thing like, that isn't difficult to inhale is a 3-2 victory at home come on that was a yeah. good that was a See, an acceptable yeah, segue yeah. okay yeah yeah it was very very enjoyable wasn't did it? you manage to watch the game in canada Yes, I watched it in full, and it nice. was so enjoyable. It was it was the most enjoyable game I can remember watching in some time. Apparently, the last time we came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 was against uh, Fulham, Fulham when they were at Loftus Road, and I was at that game. Ah, that's and interesting. That, Another little bit. Yeah, that might be the last time that I enjoyed watching a game as much as I did on that. <laughs> um, I was chatting to a West Ham fan at work and he was saying that roughly this time last year, West Ham came from 2-0 down to beat Everton 3-2, uh, you know, around the 30-game mark. So maybe it's something that Everton do at around this about this time. It was, uh, Could well it be. was horrible. Suspicious. Yeah, it Suspicious. Was so I was watching the t- I was watching it on TV and the the game was infuriating me because I I didn't I didn't think that we would 
worthy of, of going 2-0 down. I know we'll get into it more in a bit, but I was so livid that my missus was like, Look, why don't you just turn it over or like go for a walk or do something? So I was like, no, 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 no. you put something else on telly because I know you don't like football. I'll just watch it on the iPad. Watch it on the iPad and of course we go on to win. And now I've somehow convinced her, this has convinced her that I'm now never allowed to watch football on the big screen because we always lose on the big screen and we always win on the, the iPad. <laughs> This is she called me by my own superstitions. Yeah. I can't argue with her. You need to hire an even bigger TV for the rest of the season <laughs> and hope we win one that you're watching on that. Full disclaimer, I didn't see the game because I was I had a free well no, I had a ticket to the rugby. So I was at Twickenham, first time I've ever been to rugby. It's very middle class. <laughs> you think? Yeah, you can drink beer in I've the stands. I've only ever been to one rugby. I've only ever been to one rugby game. I left twenty minutes early. I find it really boring. It's, it's so a toughie. Dull. It was a fun day yes. out. Well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I may find that. I think you too, Matt. Uh, we were going to go and watch um, because I didn't know if I'd be able to get a stream. Me, me and him were going to go and watch Polite Spartans versus Curse and Ashton, but it was called off at like. Eight, eight o'clock in the morning or something for a pitch inspection. So I was delighted that I got a chance to sit down and watch this. Yeah. Um, Perfect. It was a great game. So the, Should we start with the was, Everton goals? Well, do we have sure. To? I think yeah, we go on. <laughs> Everton scored two goals. There. Let's move on. Yeah. There. Boom. Yeah, they felt against the run of play, didn't they? Yeah. Or at, yeah. least, uh, at least, you know, both teams were threatening. But it certainly didn't feel like we deserved to be 2 0 down when we when we were. No. no. And give credit to Calvert Lewin, it was you know, it was a, the goals that they scored, they were both well made goals. And I don't think I don't think you can really blame the keeper for either of them. I know he palmed it into the, the middle of the area, but it was you know, it was a it was a drilled shot that he palmed away and it was just unfortunate that it landed so yeah, um, so. so comfortably for Richarlison. Um I think what what stuck in my craw is we're gonna to have to talk about it. Like Pickford, a hundred percent should have been sent off. Like a hundred percent. That was as good I as anything no I saw at Twickenham. His tackle. <laughs> I've never just, seen it before in a no, game of football. I can't, I can't work out what what interpretation of the rules the referee is trying to apply there because there was even if you say who he's trying to get the ball. We didn't. He took the man out and it was a goal-scoring opportunity. It would have been, you know, it, it was a penalty. At the very least, give him a yellow card. At the very least. Yeah, the decision not That's to that, book I could him. have been, I could have been, I wouldn't have been surprised if he got a booking. Because when yeah. I watched the replay, there was an Everton defender who was covering. So you could say that it wasn't, it was a goal-scoring opportunity, certainly. You could make a case that uh, he wasn't, the last man quite um i could understand if the referee basically in that way that they try to be fair would think well they've got the penalty to send him off yeah. as well yeah. is double punishment and I, I could understand that happening but the fact that he didn't give him a yellow made it seem like he'd forgotten yeah, yeah, I've heard so many people talking existed, about... Like he got ex- caught up in the moment. I've heard a lot of people talking about double jeopardy rules and stuff. It's made me realise I don't know what the rules are around this area anymore. But surely you can't just rugby tackle a player off the ball and get nothing. Well, double jeopardy is there to stop you like getting... Um, 
uh, being a man down, con- likely conceding a goal, and um, a, I can't remember what the other part of it is. It's basically there to like, yes, it was a goal scoring opportunity that you've stopped, but that's the only benefit that your clubs, that, that your team's now going to receive is a goal scoring opportunity. So I think that's, that's where uh, the double jeopardy thing lies. I thought it meant if a husband faces one penalty taker, then the wife can't face that same player from the spot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fine. That'll be fine. But um, it wasn't a great penalty from Richie. Uh, it was, no. you know, down the middle. wasn't struck hard enough to beat someone down the middle. And then they go up the other end. And yeah, like I say, it was a deep, it was a well taken goal. I'm not blaming anybody for it. I think we were still a bit angry and frustrated about the decision because I think a few of the players weren't maybe as sharp. But it was still, it was like a minute later, so. I don't know. I think on in the general... That I, sorry, on. carry on, Fergus. <laughs> I was just going to say, on the coverage that I watch over here, perhaps it's what you're watching as one of your streams, it's, it's NBC Sports coverage. Yeah. The, the, um, the, 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 what do they call them? Like the colour commentator, the one... Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Scottish guy he, who seems to do all our games always goes on, on and on and on about Richie's brilliant ball striking ability and delivery and it seems like every time he says it Richie then goes on to do a really underwhelming cross or dead ball strike yeah. he's really building him up uh, before the penalty I just I just knew it wasn't going to be good well this is it like because um, Richie scored I think up until I think that one was the it was either like the eighth penalty that he's taken uh, yeah, I think he'd scored the... his last seven. Yeah, exactly. And he hadn't missed one, so of course he's going to be the, the penalty taker. And he'll be the penalty taker next time as well because he is a decent striker of the ball. But, I mean, Pickford is... I mean, he's got form for saving penalties, but I just think that that wasn't a great penalty and it was a decent save. Yeah, I think if you so... think back to the Man City game, Richie's penalty then wasn't particularly convincing, but just about made it in. Mm. He's not sort of and, top corner postage stamp sort of penalty taker. No. So then we went into this the half time. Obviously, the the fans were riled and the um, the players were frustrated and, and angry and stuff because it wasn't just the penalty, the red card incident that he, he fucked up. Lee Mason got many calls wrong and one like we'll get onto the the ones in our favour later. But he had a terrible game. So when they went in. The, the atmosphere in the ground sounded electric, which I think really got under Jordan Pickford's skin because his distribution was poor, his decision-making was poor, and in the second half, it was it was really laid bare how much the, the, the Newcastle fans had got onto him. Yeah, well, there was one chance where Rondon almost lobs him. He's run out mm. into no-man's land where he didn't have to. His decision-making was all over the place. The ball went wide, and he just... Has sort of sticks his tongue out at the crowd, and you could tell mm. they were just in his head. I think, but even by yeah. that point, and um, I think uh, so. I think because of Marco Silva's come out and said that oh, nobody got into his head, and you know he, he did a few good things and he did a few bad things, but we hundred percent did. And I I'm bang up for that. I think if we can if we can impact a, 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 an opposition player, we should do it. We should always try and help out the team. 
With, I, within reason. To the level that happened, <laughs> yeah, not to the level that happened in Villa, Birmingham City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just reading out their wives' phone numbers and stuff like that that implies, sort of implies a level of well, threat. <laughs> well, there's a, spe- there's a special set of circumstances, aren't there? He's a goalkeeper. So for the entire game, mm. uh, both halves behind him, he's got thousands of Geordies. And he's, in his ear. He's still a very big Sunderland fan and came up. He is. There. And I'm sure there have been lots of personal stuff there. <laughs> stuff that like only people in the region know. I just about it would have been so easy to get into his head, I would imagine. Oh, hundred percent. I, I don't think there's much room in there as well. <laughs> or much space taken <laughs> up. <laughs> True. Um I did want to say that uh for all Almiron hasn't scored yet, and he hasn't got a, what you'd class as a proper assist, um, I think he's made a huge difference to the way we play. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's... that front three just looks like they're all covering something different now. You can see why Rafa wanted Rondon and Almiron, because I think those two together have just made Perez go up a notch. Hmm. Yeah, yeah Paris. I mean, he's playing play really. I mean, he's been hundred percent. Yeah, he was. He's but the thing. The weird thing about Perez is he's consistently one of our top goal scorers, and he's consistently one of our most creative outlets. The trouble is that he will make a bad pass, which which will then end a, an attack. I think he gets a lot of criticism because he's that um, very visible failure on our part to, to score a goal. Um I think he's I think he's a cracking player. I think he deserves his own proper chant and his own proper flag and everything else, but we'll see. So Yeah, what? it feels with Perez at the Having minute there's a, like a backlash flag. to you the backlash. Like I love flags. <laughs> um so should we talk about the second like our first goal? Yeah, I thought was... I'd just say something about. Al- Sorry, I thought I'd. What since you were on Almiron, Almir- go for it. Mm. I thought I'd, I thought I'd just say, yes, he gives us that outlet that we didn't have because he's so fast and he seems like he, you know, hopefully he'll stay that way. But he seems like a very hardworking player who wants to do well. And but the, there's not quite that sort of um, uh, like he's not up to speed with the other players yet, or they're not yeah. up to speed with him. Yeah. He's sending out a lot of passes where people aren't making the run for that pass, which is encouraging in the sense that there's like massive room for improvement in terms of his uh, blending into the team. When that starts working, that could be... Yeah, really yeah. I think as I think well, if you're an things- opposition defender before, if you take Rondon and Almiron out... If you have to worry about Atsu, Hosselu and Perez, you're only really worrying about one of those three players. If you're worrying mm. about I think Almiron, you... Rondon and Perez, like there's so many different ways they can get past you. Yeah, with Atsu, yeah. Perez and Hosselu, I think you're probably worrying about like whether you've left the hob on at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you, you're worrying about like whether you paid your council tax. You're not worrying about something football related. No, I think you can legitimately leave the stadium to check if you've left the hub on and come back yeah. safe in the knowledge yeah. that nothing's happened. I tell you what, though, it was just a, it was a 
a cracking uh, opening goal for us. Um, yes. Like Perez receiving the ball and nodding it back. Like th- speaking about the the the, um, the awareness of what another player is going to do. Here's a perfect example of Perez knew, and he you know he said so in an interview that he he, could, he didn't he didn't see where Rondon had gone, but he just knew that that's where he'd be. That's where he expected him to be in his imagination. So that lost that little chipped pass. Inside the box, when you're faced up with three defenders around you, that's a superb assist. That's a that's an incredible assist. And those two having that kind of, I mean, telepathic link might be a bit strong, but that kind of link is is great for us moving forward, especially when you've got the the, the supply lines from Shelby when he gets back into the team and Almiron. Yeah, there's a real understanding there between those two. I think, like Fergus is saying. If Almiron starts to get even close to that level with them as well, then it's going to be pretty decent. Yeah, um, and then obviously uh, Perez's first goal that that owed a lot to the the dynamism that we were coming to expect from uh, from Almiron um, taking the ball up about what twenty five yards out, having a dig, and it was it should have been a fairly comfortable save for Pickford. It should have been it a could catch. Have either punched it. it. Yeah. Um, but he palms it straight out, straight in front of himself to to Perez, and credit to Perez being quick off the quick off his heels and and burying it. Although again, he shot pretty much straight at. Yeah, it was a very savable, savable yeah. shot. But that makes it. I think everything Jordan Pickford did sort of really added to the story of how great it was <laughs> to watch him suffer. <laughs> Oh, it was fucking glorious! He, punching the the ground as if like it's the ground's fault that you, you've been a tit. Oh, it's definitely <laughs> your fault. Mate. Look what you made me do! <laughs> and then just to wrap up on the goals. Well, let's and... leave it at two two and go for an ad break, oh. and then we'll come back to the winner after these messages. What a, what a cliffhanger! <laughs> The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back from those messages. We left it on a cliffhanger. I can't wait to find out how the game, yeah, how did the game finish? <laughs> Do you think this is anyone's way of getting the news about the football? Do you think there's people who don't watch the game and find out the result to find out about it through us? <laughs> um, then just to briefly talk about it, five players were offside. Five yeah. players were offside, and we finally get the rub of the fucking green. That was, uh, I was. You say that. I do think there's been about five times in the last few weeks where we've gone. Finally, we start to get a bit of luck. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we've been doing all right lately. It all evens out, apparently. Yeah. Well, it evened out yeah. not sending Pickford off. I think, and it's it's the sort of goal you hate if it goes against you. Well, the rules are the rules, but when you get that goal, you just think, ah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, to be honest, I think if Pickford had been sent off, I don't think we'd necessarily have won that game. No, I don't a, think the crowd would have been nearly up to the noise level it was either. Yeah, and I think you would have had a calmer head in between the sticks for Everton who wouldn't have made the silly mistakes that Pickford did. Yeah. Also, might not have made the save. Uh, from the penalty, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, 
Um, Real sliding door stuff. Yeah. I think that was a, a terrific win um, because of where it puts us in the league and also the results of the other player, the other teams around us. Because, you know, Cardiff picking up a win and um, Southampton, Southampton beat Spurs. Really, yeah, really unlikely win at, at, at Spurs was... I mean, at home Spurs, rather. Um, I think it was really important for us to get that. Um, I don't even remember. Uh, I quite confidently predicted at the start, well, quite early in the season when it was really low points totals, I said it could be as low as 25 would be safe. <laughs> I would li- I'd like to that, point out, you, not just wrong, incredibly wrong. <laughs> yeah. But the um, I'm just looking at the Premier League table now and... There's, you know, there's seven teams below us in the league, and Crystal Palace, Brighton, they could, they, we could comfortably be passed by them, but I just can't see us getting surpassed by Southampton, Burnley, certainly not Cardiff, Fulham, or Huddersfield. But I think that that four point gap between us and Southampton and Burnley, I think that's going to be enough, not only to for us to stay safe, but for us to finish fifteenth or higher. Yeah, I hope Look so. At it. Sorry, Fergus. This is, my, this is my shout for the relegation, just looking at that table. Fulham and Huddersfield definitely down. Yeah. I can see Cardiff getting out of it. I could see Brighton getting dragged in. I know they're, they're five points ahead of Cardiff right now. They beat I'm Palace gonna... at the weekend, which wasn't, I thought yeah. was no chance of that. Brighton, well, Brighton have got a, a mixed bag when it comes to a running because before they've got Cardiff, Southampton and ourselves, they've, they've got Arsenal and Man City last two games of the season and I'm expecting the, the league title to be going right up to the wire I, I, you know, I, yeah. I can't see Liverpool suddenly collapsing and I can't see Man City well, I just think yeah, it's going to go to the wire This is the stage of the season where we start using the term on the beach Are there any teams <laughs> on the beach yet? Uh, Everton Yeah, looks... you'd say Everton, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, You'd say the Bournemouth Watford Leicester maybe, Crystal Palace maybe, West Ham certainly. There's, there's, you know, there's three or four teams in there that are, are definitely relaxing a little bit more. Yeah. But, but looking looking at Burnley's running, because I don't think I, I'm, I'm still, I've been banging the drum for a while, but I think Burnley's running is going to be very difficult for them because they've got Chelsea, Man City, and Arsenal, and they've got Wolves who are going to be pushing as hard as they can until the end of the season. I. And then they've got teams like Leicester, never easy to beat. Bournemouth, depends who turns up. Everton, depends who turns up. And then Cardiff. Cardiff's the only game in that that I'd say that they could, you know, pinpoint three points coming from there. Yeah. I think Cardiff, I really think Cardiff could get out of it. Well, they keep having these little bursts and then losing through it. They keep making you think they're out and then they'll just chuck a win in there. Then they pull you back in yeah um, just when we think we're out I think they're I just a, I think they're the classic team that everyone at the beginning of the season says it's just a foregone conclusion that they're going down and they're the ugly team compared with uh, Fulham for example or certainly Wolves but they're the ones that somehow get out of it yeah I, but that's my prediction I would, I might be wrong. I would agree with you except that they've got the two Manchester clubs and Liverpool and Chelsea to play. And for all that they're a plucky team and they could get a point against Chelsea, you just, 
I just can't see them picking up the five or six points that they're going to need to surpass someone like um, Southampton and Burnley. Having said everything I've just said, I didn't know about their running, so I retract it all. <laughs> I think the good thing for us is we're, what, 34 points now with eight games to go. You'd have to think 40 points probably guarantees safety. I think we're out. I think we're just about Safety? Out. What are you talking about? Safety? We're not that far away from getting 10th again. Oh, here we go. We're only four points off. We're only four points off 10. Yeah, I was amazed by that with three points off Everton. And and actually, we're doing we're two points better off this season than we were at the same stage last season. Wow. But are we going to get into exactly the position where Ashley just thinks, well, see, it worked out in the end. Yeah, this is a worry. And then Rondon, Rondon goes back to West Brom. Some <laughs> like... So, Somebody, the Rafa leaves. Somebody else signs Rondon because Rondon is playing himself out of. That's all. That was always the catch twenty two with. That's the catch twenty two with getting a player on loan all the time. Because yeah. if they play well, their value goes up unless there's like a pre agreed. Unless they're Kennedy, uh, yeah. price. and you think you're lucky to get them back on loan again, and then they're awful. He's been terrible. I think one more thing we should say about the Everton game. I think it's got lost a lot in the coverage because it was such a good game. But can mm. you remember a game, I can't in my lifetime, where you've had two John Joes on the pitch at the same time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that wasn't front and back page news, I find staggering. See, this is why be, I, like I mean, that them. might be the future. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be a lot more John Joes. There's a well, fucking well, lot of Masons knocking about these days. We were 2 0 yeah. down because they had a John Joe and we didn't. We brought our John Joe on, suddenly 3 2 up. <laughs> I think there's a tactical. Rafa's found a tactical loophole here. Do you remember when Charlie Hunter years ago <laughs> thought that John Joe Shelby was foreign because he just assumed that that was a really foreign name, John Joe? <laughs> It says a lot as well. That's one of the more sensible things he came out with. One of my, like, you start a sentence with, do you remember when Charlie Hunter, it's the, my favourite start to any sentence. I love anything about that. Man. Oh, I hope he doesn't, I hope he doesn't still listen, because that seems mean. But, yeah. I think it's, I hope he's doing well, Charlie. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about Bournemouth or do you want to talk about anything from Twitter? I want to talk about John Joes. Yes, let's do Twitter questions. Have you got them up there, Dave? Um, to be honest, most of them are just asking where we've been and when are we coming back. We've been away, we're back next. On. Yeah, we just had shit on. Uh, and uh, Sugar Wookie posted a couple of GIFs. Uh, he said, how good is it? Good is it Can you describe the gifts, please? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm going to say, one um, of them will be Michael Scott in the office doing a bemused face. One of them no. will be Gary Lineker in Italia 90 pointing to Bobby Robson with his cheeks out, pointing at his eyes because <laughs> Gaz is crying. <laughs> one of them just some cats. You don't, get this. you don't get this on the more mainstream podcasts, do you? <laughs> uh, and, Guess the uh, gift. And should... 
Jugger Wookie sent a couple of gifts. <laughs> <laughs> something, something tells me that they they have enough tweets that they can that they can immediately edit like something like that out. <laughs> no chance. If you give us content, it will get read out. That's yeah. That's the message um, here. Theo Penn asked, um, how will Shelby fit into this team now that Lejeune is back to his ball-playing best? In other words, does he work hard enough to replace, well, Longstaff and Diame, but then obviously Longstaff out for the rest of the season? Um, I would. I don't think he had a very good game uh, against Everton. Uh, I think Shelby, Shelby will certainly be able to get the get more out of our attacking players than Key and or Diame and or Hayden. So I'd imagine because um, I don't think Hayden's I think Hayden's gone from out in the wilderness to now one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah. So I think it'll be Shelby and Hayden. This seems to happen every season as well. There's one player who at the start of the season you could confidently predict there is no chance they'll be in the first eleven. And then they end up... It was Diame last season, now it's Hayden this season. Mm. I remember listening to a, a, a pass pod from uh, the pair of you that I wasn't in, where you were talking about um, Sean Longstaff and how well he's been doing, and that's continued, and I've probably fallen in love with him as a footballer, and it's, it's a shame that he's not uh, playing the rest of the season. But you made the good point comparing him to John Joe Shelby, the way Shelby goes for the Hollywood pass all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Longstaff is not, it, it seems, you know, plays the percentages a lot better. And uh, I thought Shelby showed that immediately the second he got came on, his first yeah. pass was an attempt. I think Yedlin managed to get through it to him, yeah. but it was just immediately, he, he wanted to show what, you know, what this brilliant work. diagonal yeah. balls he could put in. Yeah, and he had a bit of a snarky I, comment I, after the game as well about people doubting him and how he's shown that he can do it. And you sort of think he's not really learned anything about his temperament there. No, he we, hasn't really shown that he can do it. He's he been getting... on for 12 minutes yeah. and like played a couple of decent passes, but also ran in looking like he might get a yellow a couple of times. Yeah, the thing is, he was getting a lot of credit because uh, he was left out of the West Ham squad, and so asked if he could play for the under twenty threes. And you know, that's great. Yeah, brilliant. You you go on. You you keep staying fit. You you're trying to prove that you you're good enough and all the rest of it. Great. Now shut up. And when you do get onto the pitch for the first team, don't try the Hollywood balls like like you were saying, Fergus. Just do your job. Just just. Just look at what this teenager has been doing and just copy off him. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I, I, Longstaff, in a way, has shown up Shelby's shortcomings even more. But it's, it's nice to be in a position that I didn't think we would be where we'd have genuine competition for centre midfield. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to, see, I'd like to think that Longstaff will be viewed as the, the centre midfield option moving forward. Um, with another player around him, or you know, if he's if if we go off and sign some brilliant centre midfielder, then fine. I'd, I'd be quite happy to see John Joe Shelby moved on in the summer. I don't think yeah. that. I think I think he's he's good. You know, he's obviously a very talented footballer, but his attitude is always in question. And I don't know. And I think his like um, his his. Uh, 
like need to fire those long balls is actually to our detriment when they don't result in a in a goal. There was a thing in the paper this weekend as well of Premier League players who earns the most per minute played as in like who's the most underused. So you had Alexis Sanchez at the top because he's on 350 grand a week and has barely mm. played, but Shelby was in the top 10. And considering the peanuts we pay our players for us to have any player in yeah. that top 10 for the Premier League quite impressive it does feel like we don't get much return out of Shelby for the amount he's paid yeah he's not scoring goals and he's not he's not creating assists even when he was first choice in the centre of the park he wasn't he wasn't delivering so yeah having said that you know it might be it would be nice to have him for the rest of the season he yeah might get some points there's oh, nothing but, wrong with know, long, having depth Longstaff has only played a few games and he might have a dip in form or who knows what it'll be like when he comes back from injury. But at the moment, in my head, he is future captain, mm. will a player that we will build a team around and for a we'll year bring and then back sell. into Champions League. Yeah. I have to say, in John, in John Joe Shelby's defence, the kind of football that we'll likely be playing against Bournemouth, um, that it will likely be a counter-attacking style and those long arching balls that he can produce regularly will be gobbled up by the likes of Yedlin on the right, Almiron on the left and Rondon and Perez up front. Nice segue. Bournemouth away Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Again. Love Uh, a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah. So you think Shelby will come in instead of Key? Hmm. Personally, I would. I would start um, John Joe Shelby. Uh, I think, well, I think we can punish them. If we're going for the win, I think that's how we get the win. Play on the counter-attack with John Joe Shelby firing the balls over for them. If we're looking to control the ball a bit more um, and maybe just like aim not to lose, then I wouldn't be surprised to see Key and Hayden, who are a bit more solid in that centre of midfield, less likely to go stroppy, less likely to get in trouble. Um, Bournemouth are an odd side, though. They're, mm. they're in, they're in, it looks on paper like they're in poor form, but they've, they've come up against, like, um, in the last six games, they've faced Man City, Arsenal, Wolves and Liverpool. So, you know, they've lost four, and won one and drawn one, and you'd say on paper that's bad form. But then you look at who they played, and you you kind of not getting a fuller picture of what Bournemouth are about. Yeah, I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be a very tight game, uh, and I'm going to go for one-one. I think that mm. is not a bad shout, but I don't. They're better at home than they are away, but I'm going to go relentless optimism, two-one win. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna back Fergus up. I think against teams that play that kind of more expansive football, um, we've only lost three times against those kind of sides. You know, of that level. Um, we beat them at St James's quite comfortably, didn't we? I think not that long ago. Yeah, but I. I don't think we're anywhere near as good on the road as we are at St James's Park now, no, which is weird because at the beginning of the season we were piss poor at St James's. I'd say a 1-1 as well. I think um, 
Yeah, I think I think they've got quality. That that young lad that they've got in the middle of the park, Brooks, looks good. I think King and Wilson look decent. I just I think they're a they're a good football side. And yeah. I'm not I'm not wholly convinced that we'll keep them out, especially as Lascelles out. Um he's got So is Lascelles definitely out? Because I know Cher's out he's picked up a another book in. I th- all that I've been hearing is that Lascelles isn't going to be fit. And even if he's like 50-50, Bournemouth away isn't a game that I'd risk him in. No. We don't we, we don't have to win. You know, it's not like we are 18th and we're, we need to win every game. We're, we're in a position where we play Fernandez, uh, Lejeune and like maybe Dummett. Uh, yeah, back, or, or we go back four to four at the back. at the back, yeah, which we yeah. did for the second Dummett, half. Dummett, can I just say we completely neglected to mention Dummett's hair? It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it was very Aguero. He looks like he looks. Well, he looks like he's in Liberty X or something. <laughs> he is not the sort of person. Which I appreciate, you'd appreciate as a fifteen-year-old ref. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get you hear it a lot about different things, but. He doesn't seem like that type of player to me. He shouldn't be having fancy haircuts. No. Yeah. It'd be it'd be like if he suddenly turned up with brightly coloured mismatching football boots. Yeah. What, what? It'd be like James oh, Milner oh, having cornrows. Wearing... Yeah. I, I, re- <laughs> I reckon he must have a new girlfriend. That'll be it. <laughs> she likes older men. <laughs> She's going for like she's just changing his image. <laughs> what she she really fancies the Wayne Lineker look. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's really into a, Paul I Hollywood. A woman. <laughs> I reckon she could. She might be the Yoko Ono for our squad. Oh no! Oh dear! She's going to tear them apart. Oh god! Well, should we oh, leave man. it on on that conjecture then? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're great. <laughs> so. We've got a Yoko in our midst. That's the only thing that can derail our season. Let's hope it doesn't. Thank you very much to Dave and to you, Fergus, for joining on the phone. Cheers, Thank Paul. you. And thank you to you, the Natter listeners. Thank you. Goodbye. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.